What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 44 of the Harmonics Podcast. We are in full-time E3 preparation mode right now, so this will be an abbreviated uh, podcast, but an awesome one nonetheless. We've actually got a really big treat for you guys. Um, Hopefully something we can do more often as these things happen, but um, we'll get to that in a minute. I just wanted to say that... um, E3 2011 is happening next week. Uh, You'll be listening to this on Friday. Yeah, it'll be starting next week. There will be some big things from Harmonics in the news. So you should check out all the coverage. Um, I think G4 is doing live television coverage every day. Like all day. They do a pretty crazy job. Um, I know GameSpot, uh, IGN and game trailers all those websites should have a lot of streaming video um so check all that out um yeah it's just me here flying solo so there's no real conversation to be had today just me talking at you in your face so i'm sorry for that so uh, let me get into the dlc announcement for the week we've actually got uh, a pretty diverse uh week here we've got a three pack of uh bruno mars the man named bruno mars he's a uh, He's, a, he's blowing up. Blowing up these days. So we've got Grenade by Bruno Mars, which uh, has keys. We have Just the Way You Are by Bruno Mars, also authored for keys. And um, Marry You, which is also authored for keys. So that's pretty awesome. Um, and I think fans of this next band will be really happy. We have a three-pack of Rise Against... So we've got Audience of One, which has a pro guitar bass upgrade. Help is on the way, which is, I think, their new single. Unless they've put out a newer one recently. I'm not up on it. Um, it's a pretty cool song, pretty cool video um, pertaining to Hurricane Katrina, I believe. Um, and The Good Left Undone, which is also authored for pro guitar and bass an upgrade so that's a great three pack from rise against we've also got um two pro upgrades to previous back catalog dlc motley cruise kickstart my heart yep that's a good good riffage on that one and pearl jams even flow so both are pro guitar bass upgrades so speaking of rise against um our friend and she's still our co-worker even though she's not on the community team hmx thrasher is a huge, huge, huge fan of Rise Against, and we were lucky enough to head over to the House of Blues last month and catch them when they were in town. Um, specifically, we sat down with their frontman, Tim, and talked about the band, the tour, their their new songs, uh, and it's actually a, it's a really interesting interview, which we are going to bring to you in, your, in its entirety right now basically because we don't have anything else to fill the time of this podcast, and it's super cool. <laughs> um, if we can, we'll try to get the... We, we recorded it on video, 
Um, so maybe after E3, when all the craziness subsides, maybe I can get that that video up as well. But uh, enjoy the unedited full-length uh, Rise Against interview with Thrasher and Tim, with a last name I can't pronounce. It's Mac something, Mick something. But uh, he's an awesome dude, and he was really cool to talk to us. So check that out now. Um, we will be back the week after E3, so we'll have probably a lot to talk about then. A lot of recapping, a lot of big news will be out in the world at that point. Um, so I hope you enjoy it, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, everybody. Hey, what's up, Rock Band Land? This is your old buddy, HMX Thrasher. I'm taking the day off from Breaking Dance Central to go hang out at the House of Blues in Boston with one of my favorite bands of all time, Rise Against. Pope and I are hanging out down here on our home turf to go talk to frontman Tim about their new album, Endgame. Thank you for having me. We are so happy to have you. I feel like this is a morning talk show. Like <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, like, and next the weather. You know, we need coffee cups to really yeah, get yeah. the vibe. It's like the latest gossip, you know. Mm-hmm. We could talk about the wedding in, in England today or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's why I wear my Quidditch uniform. Oh, yeah. Not all, all full circle. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um. So speaking of gossip, it's not gossip. It's news. It's pretty exciting. Um. I'm really happy to confirm for uh, all the Rise Against fans that that play our game that we have uh, more Rise Against content on the way coming this summer. And one of the biggest tracks that we have coming is the new single from your latest album, Endgame, called Help is on the Way. Yeah. So one thing I want to ask you about to get into that. Um, so Help is on the Way is kind of this call to activism. It's, uh, it's a, is there any particular event that inspired the writing of that? Yeah, actually, in our time off between the records, I spent some time in New Orleans with uh, a few other musicians and and a few activists, and it was the first time for me that I ever really kind of uh, become sort of immersed in in New Orleans culture. You know, the band had passed through briefly, but um, never enough time to really, you know, soak in any of what was happening down there or get a real connection to the city. And um, I was lucky enough to spend a handful of days there and really walk away with not just, you know, a better um, idea of what New Orleans and New Orleans culture was about, but also a better idea of like what it had been going through, you know, since Hurricane Katrina and in the recovery or lack of recovery. And I was actually there before the BP oil disaster too. And so it was already something that was weighing heavy on my mind. And then, you know, April, 2010 rolled around and they were just hit again with this mm-hmm. another tragedy. And so I felt compelled to, to put a song together that sort of painted a picture of, of what I saw there and a way to, um, put a spotlight back on, you know, that part of our country that, mm-hmm. that sort of the spotlight was sort of drifting from. Mm-hmm. So I thought that there was still a lot that was happening there and I, I wanted to draw attention um, to that. The video is pretty extraordinary. I mean, it's incredibly moving. How were you guys involved in the concepting of that or who, who directed it? Can you tell us a little bit about it? Um, yeah, we were, we were, we were involved in it, um, as much as, you know, a band is involved in a lot of ways, especially with video treatments, that's one of the areas where I recognize, like, we write good music, you know what I mean? But like, I love to get a a director's concept, um, and, and how, and, and how he or she would make the video. And when that concept came back to us, it was, it, it nailed it right on the head. It was a way to sort of personalize um a a big problem you know what i mean because 
you know, no matter no matter what, we're talking about a three-minute-long rock song or a yeah. four-minute-long rock song. Yeah. So it's like, how much can you possibly encapsulate in that song? Mm-hmm. And so um, we, we we managed to attack, you know, one specific idea, personalize it, just put it, um, make it about a family and what mm-hmm. they were going through. And that in that way, I think we were able to make something that was a little more compelling than, it, than if we tried to fit the entire story of New Orleans of the last mm-hmm. decade into four minutes. Yeah. I think one of the most striking things about it is that you guys aren't aren't in it at yeah. all. That was actually a pretty conscious decision. Um, it was when the song became a single, um, and I knew we'd be making a video for it. I me- I immediately, you know, could not imagine where we would fit into the video appropriately. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I imagined our presence, sort of, no matter what, just sort of stepping on. The idea and 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 you know uh, i was afraid it might be like sort of a, a liability in the video you know what i mean like i didn't want us like rocking out in the ruins of new orleans you know what i mean i thought like i thought there was there was no way i could picture us in there that wouldn't sort of be insulting to like the concept the concept was so much bigger than just us singing in the microphones and rocking around so it was uh i was really i was nervous about not putting us in there you know because traditionally you know the band's yeah. in there but in the end, I'm really glad that we didn't because I feel like it would have taken away from the story a little bit. Yeah, and it's it's really moving. It's I can safely say it was the first time I've ever watched a, a music video and actually gotten like really choked up. The little the little boy who's casting it is yeah, right. impeccable. Oh, they're so great. They're, they're just, the, the whole video and what they did with that budget and everything because we didn't have a lot of money to work with, and mm-hmm. it was such a, a, an incredibly moving piece. Which was I, I I had a feeling it would be. I'm glad that it, I'm glad that it is. You know. Well, so zooming out kind of to the larger picture of Endgame as a whole, I've noticed there have been interviews where you specifically say it's not a concept album, but every but every song on the album is very topical, very mm. political, very much like, in a way, a, a message. How do you view that album holistically? Um, there's a lot of, like, the Endgame con- concept that pops up in the songs. And I guess the reason, <clears throat> excuse me, the reason I, I strayed from calling it a concept record it was because i really there are songs on that record that don't fit into that concept and are sort of orphans of that concept and I, and I was afraid that their value would be diminished if you know if it was viewed as this like one complete idea you know what i mean that there were songs that don't fit into it as well um that said there's many songs that sort of deal with this end game concept this end of civilization or the rebirth of a new civilization um idea but um I don't. I don't think that we're a band that would ever, ever really do a concept yeah. record. You know what I mean? Like it's not something that really uh, that I don't find particularly attractive. You know, I know that other bands do great concept records, and I enjoy some concept records. But but I don't think that that we're not a band that I think would you know would would delve into that. Um, speaking of the title, what uh, what were you thinking when you titled the the record Endgame? I mean, it brings up so many allusions to military strategy, to Samuel Beckett, chess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all these things. Yeah, um, you know, it was uh, Endgame is a word that you know I've seen pop up in in a lot of literature and reports on the direction of the world um, in the in the last like fifteen years. And as a band that sort of talked a lot about the world's problems and society's ills, you know, it's a word that has you know been sort of casually used. And it, there, there came a point when we were putting this record together where it, it was almost like the buzzword in a lot of these newscasts I was reading. And this word that was sort of 
in my upbringing was sort of relegated to, you know, anarchist literature mm -hmm. was now on CNN, you know what I mean? And it was like really scary to see how often you'd be flipping the channels or opening the paper and see how often this word was being used and the, um, and, and to what degree and, and the number of times it was used and it was really scary, you know what I mean? It was scary as it felt like you were really, you know, living in the middle of a time of such a tumultuous time that we were, that people were actually talking about um, the end of the end of civilization in, in, in the many different ways this word was being used. Um, and so I felt like it was, a, it was, it was a, a, an appropriate title for the record. I was also after on a totally side note, I was after a one word record title mm -hmm. on this one. <laughs> Rise Against has, to, has delivered some tongue twisters in the past, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've watched enough radio DJs butcher uh, our album titles that I was like, let's go with a one word title. And like, and, and when trying to find the one word title, um, that word just kept, um, so I just, I just kept coming back to it and I felt like it really captured a lot of what I wanted to attack on this record. Cool. So for fans who want to know more about the record, you guys have some awesome videos up on your website yeah. about where you recorded in Fort Collins. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, I don't want to give it away, but who was involved in the recording of, of this record? Of course, yeah. It's um, Bill Stevenson, uh, who played drums in, or plays drums in The Descendants and All, and played in Black Flag. Um, he played in Only Crime. Uh, Bill, and also Jason Livermore, he's a producer there. Bill and Jason have both produced four of our six records now, um, including, you know, our most successful ones. Uh, they've become part of the team. They really have. They're really they're guys that we keep going back to, and I have every intention to go back to them again, and they've become a part of our band. And, uh, and they, they help us in a lot of ways. They help us sort of navigate, you know, the, the murky waters of doing, you know, punk rock music at the level that we're doing it because we don't really always know what we're doing. You know what I mean? We're always we're looking for that guidance and looking for um, that reassurance. And there's also few, like, I, I, like the bigger your band gets, that's like the fewer and fewer people you trust, you know, with like what you, with what you do, you know? And so Bill's one of those guys that I really unconditionally trust. He's one of the few guys that I really take, like, I, not, not only do I take his criticism, but I crave his criticism. You know what I mean? Like I really, when I put something together, he's the guy I want to say, look, what do you think? You know what I mean? He's the guy I want. I want his opinion on it. And so we have a really special relationship with Bill and Jason and a couple other guys, a guy named Andrew at the studio. Um, and that town, Fort Collins, just a sleepy little college town an hour north of Denver. And it's a great place to just escape to and get away from the epicenter of the music industry in LA or even like big cities like Chicago where we live and just sort of go and just concentrate on music um, and, and, and creating the record that's going to be you know, the next couple of years of your life. Cool. So I want to take a little bit of a side road, but yeah. talking about Bill reminded me of this. Um, we did a podcast recently where a bunch of the harmonics developers talked to sort of our fans who are just getting into punk and hardcore about our favorite punk and hardcore albums and our most influential bands. Cool. And I am curious, what are your recommendations or essential listening? Oh man, essential listening. Um, Minor Threats discography was was <laughs> that, that was huge. That yeah. was huge to me. Um, it represented a whole different side of music, you know, and especially punk rock. It was music that was like a vehicle for something more than just you know selling tickets and records. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't necessarily like as much as I loved like bands like the Sex Pistols. It wasn't that sort of like 
nihilistic style of punk. You know what I mean? It was more like punk for a reason. You know what I mean? Not yeah. just punk because I hate everything punk. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, it, it really resonated with me, and it still resonates to this day. And it was sort of a catalyst for for everything that that, that I do or go on to do. Cool. Um, speaking of things that you do or you guys as a band do you guys are very much an activist band i mean you're involved animal liberation voter mobilization labor rights how do you decide sort of collectively i mean especially with the influence you have as you get bigger and bigger what you put your names to it's so hard and it's something that like i never really thought about um and for a while we were just saying yes to so many things that we had to sort of like Mm take a look at it and say okay you know if we spread ourselves too thin then we're not really having an impact anywhere and so we had to make the hard choices and and say no to certain stuff and it's hard to do that because when someone comes at you with a really important cause and we have access to so many fans um, on a nightly basis and through our website and everything um we uh we try to pick the places where we believe we can you know be most effective I guess. And also the things that we sort of all agree with, obviously, all four of yes. us agree with, which, you know, everyone in the band is vegetarian and everyone in the band is on the same page about, about most everything anyway. Um, but it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not, it's not easy to say no to certain causes, you know what I mean? Um, and we try to like, at least like get around to certain things that we, that we care about, you know what I mean? And that kind of thing. So. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I want to ask you about, do you have advice for, especially as you start to reach younger and younger listeners, it can be really hard for young activists sometimes to be so passionate to not burn out on a cause. Do you have any advice for people about how to stay passionate and stay focused and not get down? That's probably the biggest problem in activism is that, that burnout factor that yeah. I think anybody will inevitably find if you've really, if you're really passionate about something, um, and I think that if you can, if you can figure out that balance between your life and and the simple things in your life that you love to do, and also the things that you're passionate about on a more grander scale, and in, in, in terms of the place you live in or the, or the world you live in, um, if you can strike that balance, like it's that's that's sort of the goal. That that is what will get you past that burnout factor. You know, um, and I think it's also important. Uh, someone someone told me once. Uh, just because you can't change everything doesn't mean you shouldn't try to change something, you know? And it was like, so true. It's like, you can't be everything to every single person. You can't go out there and try to solve the, a, a blanket of the world's problems. But, you know, if you can figure out certain things and sort of make the steps that, that, that keep you going w- without, you know, expecting to wake up today and change the world, yeah. like then, then that's important because that's, that's, that's sort of, those are the people that really impressed me are people that can stick around and keep doing it. You know, we all have our moments of passion and we all go through an adolescence where we really care about, you know, changing and, and most of those people eventually move on and burn out, you know? And so when I meet people who are still passionate about it, that's sort of, that's the success, you know? And for me, I'm lucky because I get to play shows like tonight here in Boston where there'll be like, you know, a couple thousand kids, you know, screaming along to what we do. And so it's like a cure-all for any jadedness that I might have today. You know, it's like, I've been doing this for a long time. The kids in this audience, many of them will be half my age, but to see like the fire in their eyes when like, they're like singing this stuff, it's like, oh yeah, like, like the way I felt in my first show, that's that kid's first show. You know, like this tonight is his first show or her first show, you know? And, um, and that sort of, that sort of, uh, 
keeps like the, the fire in my belly going. And it's, I wonder if when you guys were first really coming up and first huge, did you get criticism from folks who are having trouble reconciling the fact that you're activists and you're passionate, but you're also starting to be successful on a bigger scale? Oh yeah. I mean, that's sort of, yeah. I, I mean, especially I came from like a really like, politically correct hardcore scene of like the mid 90s in chicago you know what i mean so it's like there were you could you, you everything we did was wrong to that scene you know what i mean yeah. and so it's like i really i was really you know a lot of my good friends and a lot of the bands i played with like immediately turned their back on us because we were getting more popular you know what i mean or playing for a different crowd or i mean i remember signing to fat records you know when i was you know 21 years old and i was immediately a sellout to all my friends to sign to fat records you know what i mean and to look yeah. back on that now like 10 years ago and think how silly it is you know yeah. but it was that's something that you that you deal with and that's that's a lot of like that's a lot of small town politics that anybody you know will deal with and at some point i realized that 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 wasn't my fight you know what i mean mm -hmm. and my fight wasn't trying to impress you know the kids who have a have problem with our own success you know what i mean um my fight was somewhere else you know what i mean that's where i wanted to direct my energies and and now you know i'm on tour with bands like bad religion you know what i mean yeah, and like yeah. you know brian baker took me to meet ian mckay yesterday you know what i mean and oh like God. they're just and like i've been on stage in sweden with the singer of refuse playing minor threat covers you know what i mean like there's really nothing that a 15 year old kid on a message board can tell me anyway. It's like, it's like, it's like <laughs> check it out. Like, like here's where I am and yeah. here's the, some of the stuff that we're doing. And here are the people who support you. And here's, yeah, yeah. like, like the, my heroes mm -hmm. support my band, which is so incredible. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. me, you know, me, the guys like hot water music and I'll be like, I like your new song. It's like, what? <laughs> are you serious? Like it's yeah. a, that stuff is just like, it's so validating, you know? And I also, I also sympathize with that, like mm -hmm. that kid at like 16 who was like rise against their sellouts, their major label and their this and that. I was that kid too. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying I wasn't, you know what I mean? Like I was like when, even when bad religion signed, you know, to Atlantic, I was like, yeah. Oh man, like I'm selling my t-shirt, you know? Yeah. And oh, man, uh, right. Totally. Yeah. And I think that like far from condemning that, you know, to those kids, like I have an affinity with that kid, you know what I mean? And, I see that as part of I see that as part of my journey, mm -hmm. as part of our fans' journey, um, a part of adolescence. Mm -hmm. We all we all get bummed out when the band that you know we could keep in our pocket, and no one would know about, yeah. gets bigger, and and like the asshole sitting next to you in class, you don't even like all of a sudden has a T-shirt on of your favorite band. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that's natural to that feel was, bummed that out. That was AFI for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, we were talking about that before. Right, they're, and they're another band. They're one of the bands that I've that I've really looked to as a model of like how it's kind of done right. You know what I mean? Like there, few bands from our world have moved on to the success that we have now and it gets tricky to figure out where to go you know what i mean because i don't have we don't have like, like my favorite bands never played shows this size you know what i mean or sold records like we we sold and so there's like a there's the the map only goes so far and then all of a sudden you're sort of off the map and you're like trying to figure out okay what do we do next and bands like afi were, were really instrumental because I'd always look to what they were doing yeah you know what label did they sign to or how did they do this tour what ha what did they do when they were approached with this with this conflict you know because I think that I, I, I think they, they have a great career yeah, cool. so I have one more quick question for you and then we'll probably wrap up so you can okay. save your voice for tonight um, going back to fat records you did you guys just released a really really cool split seven inch yeah uh, with face to face yes we did it's not on fat 
It's not uh, in fat, but face to face was on fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. <laughs> There's a connection. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was sort of out of the blue. It was like you know, we had hooked up with those guys and sort of you know had been talking about it, and then next thing you know, it was happening, and you know they were covering one of our songs. We were covering one of their songs. You know, which we were already covering their songs anyway. You know, yeah. for fun. You know, and so when to hear to hear like a band that you grew up with like mm -hmm. singing your lyrics and playing yeah. your song that's really trippy it's really trippy you know when i first heard you know trevor singing you know my lyrics it was like oh my god like i can remember being 16 and was seeing face to face at the metro in chicago you know what i mean and, like just dancing around and singing along so that was that's really crazy so it's it's awesome it's very like just sort of selfishly awesome you know what i mean and also cool if we can introduce our fans to a band that played a role in you know, our musical upbringing. Yeah, and I always dig when bands like you guys, you guys release a lot of your albums on vinyl, which I think is pretty awesome. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty important format to preserve. Totally, and like our label's really cool about it because we've, we've now done two different seven inches of the fat records, you know what I mean? And they're the ex-girlfriend, and so yeah. like for the new girlfriend, they'll let us hang out with the ex-girlfriend, you know? Yeah. It's like pretty, pretty rad, and the label, it was, it was like, when we first got with the label, they didn't really, they looked, they're like, vinyl? You wanna do vinyl? And we're like, yeah, like cool. We'll do vinyl and we'll do stickers and we'll do all that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, no. We're gonna do we're gonna do vinyl. You know? And so it took a couple records for them to get it right, but now like they're really they're really kicking ass and kids really appreciate it and um, I really appreciate it. And I love I love the advent of like MP3 downloads in the vinyl. You know what yeah, I mean? So yeah. it's like kids can have the the collector's item. You know what I mean? And the actual record, but they can still put it on their iPod and do whatever. You know? So uh, yeah, it's something that we sort of. We, 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 we take kind of seriously nowadays. So, so um, we'll just wrap up. What's what's next for you guys? What is next for us? Well, we'll wrap up this tour with Bad Religion, um, the face-to-face 7-inch. Uh, we have another 7-inch out on Fat Records, actually, with some of our old, old songs that they put out. We'll go to Australia. We're taking Sick of It All to Australia. Oh, my God. I know, right? Awesome. We, we've forgotten how to take out uh, bands that aren't huge influences on us. <laughs> like, last time we were here was Rancid, and now we're Bad Religion, and we're Sick of It All. So, yeah, we're just kind of scrolling through our iPods going, let's take them out, you know? Um, Sick of It All was, took us on our first European tour, actually, in, like, 2002. And so, and that tour kind of set a precedent for me, like, as to what kind of band we were going to be and, like, how we were going to tour. I learned so much from those guys, you know? It was incredible. They were, like, you know, guys who were 10 years older than me and legends, and they put us on their bus, like a bunch of snotty kids from Chicago, you know what I mean? Yeah. Trying to get their band off the ground. And like, uh, it was uh, an experience that I, I, you know, that I still remember fondly. And so we're taking them to Australia, which will be the hugest pain in the ass trying to follow their set every night. It's going to be so hard because they just, they're so tight and they're like, mm -hmm. somehow they're 10 years older than me and they're way more limber than I'll ever be. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. just have an insane show. Um, but anyway, Australia, we'll go to Canada, and then we'll um, we'll do a few other festivals. Um, going to the UK, a uh, couple other things in the in the works right now. So um, yeah, a lot, a lot of touring. We'll be on the road for the next two years, like straight. So yeah. eventually, you'll get a day off. Eventually, yeah, yeah, we'll get a day off. Yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll happen. We'll get breath in there somewhere. Nice, cool. Well, Tim McElrath, yeah. thank you so much yeah. for uh, hanging out with us. We loved it. Um, you guys are huge to me, to these guys on the interwebs. So, thanks. Thank you.